And I want to begin with a question. And the question is this. What would you do if you ruled the world? What would you do if you were the king of the world for one day? What would you do if you were king of the world for one day? Well, there's a, there's a famous song from 1985 by the hip-hop artist Curtis Blow. And it goes like this. If I ruled the world. Y'all know? Oh, come on. Yeah. If I ruled the world. And if you look at the lyrics of this song, you will see now it was remade in the 90s, right, with uh, Nas remade the song, and I think Lauren Hill was in on that. But if you go back to the original lyrics and you read through them and you read what does the artist Curtis Blow say that he would do if he ruled the world, and I'm going to pull out just a few of the things. I'm not going to rap, I promise. But what I'm going to do is just read some of the lyrics, all right? He said, if I ruled the world, was king on the throne, I'd make peace. In every culture, build the homeless a home. Because we got to stop war and use unity to fight crime and hunger and poverty because the African baby is dying overseas. I said I wasn't going to rap. But do you hear what he's saying? Poverty, peace, war, unity, crime, hunger, starvation. He's crying out and saying, these are the problems and the things that I would solve if I ruled the world. If I ruled the world. Some things never change. Because I can imagine that when I asked the question, you thought some of the same things. Am I wrong? You thought some of the same things. It's why we have a freedom school in our church this summer, right? Because we want illiteracy to cease in our community. That's why we have a freedom school. Amen? Some things never change. The old enemies of poverty and homelessness and war and injustice and violence never give up. And the enemy never gives up. And you know what's at the root of all of these things? The Bible calls it It's a three-letter word. It's worse than a four-letter word. It's a three-letter word, and it's sin. Sin is at the root of all of these things. It's at the root of all of them. It's why the world is broken. It's why the world is fallen. So if you ruled the world, if you were king for a day, what would you do? What would you do? This is a question that, that people have been asking for a long, long time, because what we're really looking for is not a solution. What we're really looking for, y'all, is a king. What we're really looking for is not a solution. What are we looking for? We are looking for a king, for a savior, for someone to step in and make it right. And this is the question that the, the people of Jesus' day were asking. And so we turn to the scripture in Luke chapter 17. And I want to begin by reading verses 20 and 21. If you would pull that up on the screen for me. Luke 17, 20 and 21. And it says this. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus answered them. You see, they have questions. The Pharisees. The leaders of the people, they have questions. Why do we have poverty? Why do we have war? Why do we have injustice? Why do we have homelessness? Why do we have uh, disunity? Why do we have violence? Why do we have all these things? And they're saying, when is the kingdom going to come? And Jesus answered them and said, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is. 
Or there, for behold, listen, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Jesus is saying it's not going to look how you think it's going to look. It's not going to look how the world defines a kingdom. It's not going to look how the world defines power or how the world defines a king. It's going to look different. And he says, it is in the midst of you. And what is he saying? He's saying, the king is right here, friends. He's saying the king is standing before you right now. The king is standing before you and they were waiting for something else to happen. They were waiting for something bigger and better and better and more revolutionary. But Jesus said the revolution isn't going to come in the way that you think it will come. It's not going to come in the way that the world always wants revolution to come. Revolution is going to come in a way that you won't expect. In a way that you won't see. And he says, look, it's in the midst of you right now. And so what we're going to do is we're going to rewind a couple of verses in our Bibles. We're going to rewind a couple of verses in our Bibles and see the kind of king that Jesus is. And what he's bringing to the world and what he brought to the world when he came. So we're going to rewind a couple of verses to chapter 17, verse 11. And we're going to see five things that the king is doing. Five things that the king is doing. I'm going to lose my voice because I'm preaching today. Can, Laurie, can you bring me a, a water, please? Thank you, First Lady. Uh, <laughs> I love that, y'all. If y'all if y'all missed a Good Friday service, <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome, and all the First Ladies got up, and we were like, "Man, y'all, we got to do some more First Lady. We got to honor our First Lady." Uh, yes, she doesn't like that, by the way. <laughs> she doesn't like that, by the way. And this is not in my script, but I need some water. She is an incredible helper. Five things that King Jesus does. Five things that King Jesus does. And I want to read uh, 11 through 19 all the way, and then we'll go back and break it down, all right? This is God's Word. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Beginning at verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers. Who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, who saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is God's word. Let's give thanks to God. You may be seated. Number one, things that Jesus is doing. Is he building a castle? Is he amassing a fortune? Is he creating an army? Is he proliferating weapons of mass destruction? No. But King Jesus is on the block. King 
King Jesus is on the block. Look at verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. He was passing along. He was on the block. He was out there with the people. King Jesus was not up in his high castle. He was down there with the people. This is incarnation. This is what the king does. The king comes and lives among the people. It's what people love about the leader of Ukraine right now. What people love about the leader of Ukraine is that he's not hiding in the Kremlin, right? What is he doing? He's in the middle of the war. He's out there with the people fighting the battle. The king, so to speak, is on the block. And King Jesus is on the block. And he's on his way to where? Where's he going? Jerusalem. He's on his way to Jerusalem, which means he's on his way to the cross. You see, the gospel and the cross is always before Jesus' eyes. Whatever he's doing, he's always got the cross in front of him. He's always heading toward that point of suffering and that point of giving away his life for his people. He's always on his way to the cross, and that's brought to the, to the, to the focus here. He's on his way to Jerusalem, and he's passing along between Samaria and Galilee. He's not only on the block, he's on the border. He's on the border between hostile territory, Jews and Gentiles. Those who have grown over the years to hate one another. He's on the block in an area that's prone to conflict. An, an, an area where, where, where blood has been shed on the ground and it's soaking into the sand. He's on the block. And he's with the people who are suffering. Look, it says that he entered into a village and he was met by ten lepers. Now today we don't really know what lepers are, but in those days a leper was someone who had a skin disease. It was a bacterial infection that took away your sense of feeling, especially in your extremities. And because you lost your feeling, you were prone to injury, burns or scrapes or cuts, sometimes dismemberment. And because of this loss of feeling, because of this bacterial disease, oftentimes they would get infected. And they would grow sores all over their extremities, their hands and their feet. Sometimes losing their toes and their extremities. People who were ostracized. People who were cast aside. And, and this wasn't just for social reasons. It was for practical reasons because of the, the, fact, the nature of the disease. It was contagious. Do we know something about that today? Isolating from one another, which I had to do last week. Man, the Bible's pre-relevant now, isn't it? And so these ten lepers were in this chronic condition, something that we may call Hansen's disease today, where they were standing at a distance. Did you catch that? It says, he entered a village and he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. And so even though the king has come into the street, even though the king is on the block, there's still people standing at a distance. There's still people standing at a distance, and they call out to him, Jesus, Lord, Master, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. These lepers, these ten men, we believe, who stood at a distance... Physically, socially, religiously, 
who by the nature of the law had to cry out, unclean, unclean, if anyone approached or got too close. But they didn't call out to Jesus, unclean. What did they cry out to Jesus? Mercy, mercy. Because they knew, they recognized the king. They recognized the king and they called out to him because they knew that he had the power to save. And so they called out to him, mercy, mercy. That's what faith is, brothers and sisters. Faith is knowing your need. It's knowing that you don't got it and that you can't do it. And then calling out to the one that you know can. That's what faith is. Faith is is leaning on it, standing on the shoulders of another who can heal and who can restore Jesus has called you and me to the block. King Jesus is on the block and he's called you and me to the block because we live among the broken, don't we? What what I hope you'll see is that we are the broken, that we are the ones who need to cry out for mercy ourselves. And once we've received mercy, once we've tasted the sweetness of God's love and acceptance and his, his forgiveness, once we've tasted the, the, the communion and the fellowship that we can have with God, then we want that for others. And so we are to be on the block. We are not to be uh, uh, cordoned off in our churches, in our palaces, in our homes even. We're to be on the block. We're to be in the neighborhoods, in the streets, in our neighbors' lives. We are to be accessible and available. We are to answer the phone when it rains. Amen? Amen. When someone rings the doorbell and is hungry, we are to be on the block. We are to offer the balm that Jesus offered to these lepers. Now, you and I may not have the power to heal, but we have the power to give. We have the power to share. We have the power to to give and to clothe and to feed the hungry, the naked, to visit the imprisoned. We have the the tools to to share literacy with those in need. Jesus has called us to the block because he was in our block. And we carry this message of hope to a world that is a world of borders. Think about how divided the world is right now. It's always been divided. But it seems more divided now than ever, doesn't it? And, and, and Jesus doesn't avoid those borders. He doesn't avoid the places where we have fought one another. He doesn't avoid the place where Samaria meets Galilee. He doesn't avoid the places where black meets white. He doesn't avoid the places where Republican meets Democrat meets Independent. But we carry the truth and the healing power of Jesus and the message of mercy for everyone to the places that are on the border. And so what gives us power is knowing that we are the ones who have received mercy. And so if you go into a conversation with someone that you know you disagree with on the border, and you come with belief in Jesus, if he's your king and not some politician, if he's your king and not some view of the world, if he's your king, then you come with humility. Then you come with patience and you come with kindness and you come laying down your life, right, like Jesus has done for us. And so God calls us, the king calls us to the block. 
This is going to be my longest point. <laughs> he calls us to the block, brothers and sisters. He calls us to the block. We cry for mercy and we answer the cry for mercy that we hear all around us. And God gives us all little opportunities every day, doesn't he? To share that mercy that he has for others. To offer hope and reconciliation. King Jesus is on the block. Number two. King Jesus tells us what to do. Look at verse 14. We don't like this. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now don't skip to the end. Let's, let's stay on the first part. When he saw them, he said to them, they're crying out for mercy, and he says, go and show yourselves to the priest. This is not what they were expecting. What were they expecting? Be healed. Right? They were expecting the instantaneous, be healed. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, go and show yourself to the priest. See, the priests were the medical gatekeepers of the day. They were the ones who said whether you actually had this disease or not. If you were healed, they were the ones who said you're healed, officially. They were the ones who allowed you back into the community if you were healed. Back into worship at the temple. Because as a, a leper, you were ostracized. You were pushed out. And so Jesus says, go and show yourselves to the priest. And I can imagine that those ten lepers have said, you know, I've been to the priest. I mean, I, I, I've been. I, I've gone to the priest. And the priest, told, he gave me bad news every time. The priest gave me bad news the last time I was down there in Jerusalem last week. I got bad news 30 years ago, and I've been getting bad news for 30 years. And Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priest. You see, the king's words, his commands have to be trusted. His commands have to be trusted. When he says, go show yourself to the priest, did you notice that they were not immediately healed, but only when they went? It was only when they placed their faith in the word of the king that they were healed. It wasn't until they took the step of faith, right? It wasn't just a head knowledge. It wasn't just, oh yeah, Jesus, I believe you that, that I could be healed. It's not just, oh, I believe you, King Jesus, that you could forgive me. But it's when we place our faith in him and we take that step of faith that we get to experience it. That we get to actually feel the healing that he brings. Or that we get to feel and experience the forgiveness that he brings. The emotional healing from the pain of the past. Or the present. The, the elimination of guilt that we felt for what we did that nobody knows about. That as soon as we trust Him, not just theoretically, but actually trust Him, in that moment it's taken away. As they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. It's not just theoretical, brothers and sisters. Christianity involves action. Faith um, empowers our action. You trust what he said, and so, you know the old song, trust and obey. <laughs> the two things are tied together. As we trust, we obey. I have to tell my kids sometimes, or I used to when they were younger, they'd say, why do I have to do that? I was like, do you trust me? Like, do you trust me? And they're probably like, no. <laughs> but do you trust me? 
Yes, okay, then do what I've asked you to do. See, obedience flows out of faith. It flows out of faith, and it was as they went that they were cleansed. Faith empowers that first step of obedience. You know, many people want to know what is God's will for their lives. All of us do, right? We want to know, uh, who am I supposed to marry? Where am I supposed to go to college? Uh, what kind of job am I supposed to get? Should I buy this? Should I, uh, should I befriend this person? Should I do this? Should I do that? And, and a lot of times I think we're thinking about the will of God in the wrong way. Because what God wants us to do is to do what he's commanded us to do. But God doesn't always give us the details of how we're supposed to do it. Of how we're supposed to work it out. We should not expect a prophet to tell us who to marry. We should not expect someone to tell us where to go to school or which job to take. Because these are things that are left to the, to the Christian's free will. But what God has commanded in his word is the kind of person we should marry. And what he has commanded in his word is that we should do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with our God. And he has commanded us that we should not lie. And so that may inform what kind of job we get. He's told us that we should remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, which may inform the kind of decisions that we make. And so many other things, right? And so what we do is we trust the king and we do what he tells us to do. Faith leads to action. But it doesn't mean he's going to give you all the little details. It doesn't mean that he's going to give you all the little details. King Jesus is on the block. He tells us what to do. And King Jesus brings us to our knees. Verse 15. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. King Jesus brings us to our knees. When we really put our lives in his hands... When we trust him and we obey him, he brings us to our knees. And what do I mean by that? It's not just submission, it's worship. It's what we, it's what we gather to do on Sunday morning together, to recognize his beauty and to honor him and worship him, to recognize who he is and what he's done and to give praise to him. One of them turned back. Y'all, 10%, one of them turned back. One of them turned back, giving praise to God. It says that he shouted with a loud voice. And I love, the, the, in the original Greek language, that word is megaphone. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> megaphone. What does that sound like? Megaphone, right? I said it earlier. When we praise God, we praise God with a loud voice. That's why Q is always encouraging us to shout to God a voice with a voice of praise. Amen? Amen. Shout to God with a voice of praise. Now, why did 90% of the church walk away and not turn back in praise? Why was it only one person? Why was it only the 10% who actually were praising the Lord God? Why? Well, he gives us a clue here, doesn't he, where he says, 
Now he was a Samaritan. Now he was a Samaritan. Now, you may not know what that means, but in Israel, Samaritans were foreigners to the Jewish people. They were considered a mixed breed of folks. They were despised, honestly. They were hated by some. The one person who came back and gave thanks was the Samaritan. And I think that it's okay to read into that a little bit. Why? Because you notice at the beginning it said that they were all standing at a distance. Do you remember that? They were all standing at a distance, but there was one of them who was standing at a greater distance. And it's because the nine were uh, racially Jewish uh, people. And so even though they had leprosy, they were still standing a little closer. And all that it was going to take for them to be completely received back into the life of Israel was for them to run down to Jerusalem and speak to the priest. And as soon as the priest gave them the A-OK, they could enter fully back into the life of the community, but not the Samaritan. Not the Samaritan, because the Samaritan, this Samaritan was not going to be allowed fully back into the life of the community, even if he was completely healed. And so he had the farthest distance to travel to get close to God, to receive full healing. He had the farthest to go. He was the worst, if you will. (laughs) He was the worst. And you know what? That's why he's the one with the megaphone. Because he received the most mercy. He received the most mercy, and that's why he's the one who turns around and comes back because he doesn't really care about the priests who are down in Jerusalem. He found the great high priest. And you know, Jesus is saying, I wonder when Jesus says, go to the priest, if he's really, really talking about himself. And only one of them really got it. Because he came back to Jesus and he bowed down at his feet and he worshipped him and he gave thanks to him. And that word, give thanks, is the word um, that, that is only ever in the Bible referring to God. Give thanks to God is the only way that word is ever used. And here it's referring to who? Jesus. And that tells us something about Jesus, doesn't it? Well, it tells us something about this man's faith. That he recognized this, this king is God. This man before me who just healed me, he is God. That's something when we pull back the curtain and try to understand who God is, you look at Jesus and you see the very image of God. And so this is what God would do if he were king for a day. He would be on the block. He would tell us what to do. He would bring us to our knees, inviting us to worship. And fourthly, King Jesus ain't playing. He ain't playing. Look at verse 17. With the Samaritan man at his feet, Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Jesus ain't playing. (laughs) King Jesus ain't playing. He doesn't just let them get away with it, right? 
He's got a crowd surrounding him, mostly of Jewish believers who are all around him, and he's saying, where are your brothers? How come the people who ought to know the most, why aren't they here giving praise to the true king? Why is it this foreigner, he's asking a penetrating question because King Jesus ain't playing. He's holding them accountable for their actions or their inactions. So he not only tells us what to do, but when we don't do it, he holds us accountable. The king is a king of justice. And one of the things we look forward to is the great throne of judgment where we will all give a statement before the King of Kings. We will put our lives before Him, and we will fall at His mercy. Or we'll fall on our record. And if you're, if you're like me, you're going to be falling on His mercy, not, his, not your record. Because none of our records are very good. But Jesus the King asks, where are the nine Where are the nine? King Jesus calls us out. I think this is a good question for you today and for me. Not where are the nine, but maybe where is your gratitude? Where, if you're not listening, listen in. Where is your gratitude? What has King Jesus done for you? And are you thankful? Are you living, are you, are you, or I, because I'm, y'all, I'm convicted about this. Are we, so I'll say we, are we living our lives kind of low level ticked off all the time? Are we living our lives frustrated with the way things are going in our lives? Or are we living in gratitude? And there is a difference, isn't there? What are we missing? Maybe we don't see ourselves as all that bad. Maybe we don't see ourselves as all that in need. You know, it's easy to read this passage and think, oh yeah, I want to be like Jesus. I want to go out and help the lepers. But that's not the real message. The message is you're the leper. And not only that, you're the foreigner. You're the one who has the most distance to travel to get to God. And so am I. And, and, and that's the beauty of this story, isn't it? That we, when we realize how far we are from him, then we realize how far he came to love us and to give his mercy and his life to us. And that ought to make us grateful. And so we can get out of our funk and our self-pity and we can get out of our navel-gazing and we can get out of our despair and we can be grateful for what the king has done for us. And we can live that. It's okay to clap. We can live that way. We can live that way because he has gone the distance for us. King Jesus is on the block in our lives. He's told us what to do, to believe and to obey. He's brought us to our knees. And he ain't playing. He's not going to just let us get away with it. He's going to confront us with the truth. And he's dealt with our deeper problem of sin. He's dealt with the root. And all we have to do is believe in him. Receive what he's done. 
And then the king does something amazing at the end. Verse 19. King Jesus sets us free. And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Jesus says, rise and go your way. That struck me when I read that. He doesn't say, rise and go my way. Right? I mean, he could have said that. But he says, rise and go your way. When we truly encounter the king, he sets us free. He says, go your way. Now, does that mean that you get to go and live however you want to live? You live your life however you want to live. Whatever comes into your mind, you do it. Is that what it means? No, (laughs) that's not what it means. Or is it? Because you know what God does when we put our faith in him, when we believe him and trust him? What he does is he gives us a new heart. He plants a new heart in us. So that old heart that wanted to, you know, do whatever the old self wanted to do, please ourselves and go our own way, now we have a new heart that wants to go a different way. Now we have a new heart that is following after the king. And so when Jesus says, rise and go your way, he's talking to a transformed person. He's talking to someone who has a new desire. A desire now to show mercy. A desire now to love. A desire now to walk in humility. A desire now to lay down my life for someone. So now my way is his way. And his way is my way. That's what it means to be transformed, and you're set free. Someone said, I I forget what this quote is, but I'm going to butcher it. But it basically goes, love God and do as you please. All right? Love God and do as you please. Now, the, the, the trick of that is that the order is important, right? The order is important. Love God. And do as you please, because what you please now is informed by your love for God. Does that make sense? And so Christianity is not about following a bunch of rules. It's about following your new king and the new heart that he's given you. And you're set free to do that. We have a king who sets us free, free to love as he has loved. He says your faith has made you well. It all goes back to faith, doesn't it? It all goes back to resting and receiving what Jesus has done for us, who he is, putting our weight on him, our whole weight on him. And y'all, that is what God wants you to do today. He wants you to come to the king of kings. He's already come to you, right? That's the whole point. He's on the block. He came to you when you wouldn't have come to him, when you were at a distance. He came to you and he called you and you responded in faith. And we keep walking by faith. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you. Your whole life is different now. You're a follower of the king. You know, the king, the true king did not come to please himself. This is the last thought for us today. The true king did not come to please himself. So many uh, dictators, 
politicians, business leaders around the world live to please themselves. But the true king did not come to please himself. He came to lay down his life. And I want you to think about the cross because it was at the cross where the king took up his crown. And it was not a, a, a gold crown with jewels. It was a crown of thorns. It was pressed into his skull, blood dripping down. And the king, the true king, was raised up on the cross and uh, a, a sign was placed over his head mocking him, the king of the Jews, many of whom rejected him. The king of the Jews with the crown of thorns mocked, nailed to a cross, and it was his love for you that held him there. The king laid down his life in the ultimate battle with sin and death so that you and I could have victory in him over those very things and that we could now live and go our way, which is really his way. We are all born at a distance from God, and he's calling to us. He's answering our cries for mercy. Man, when you feel the angst of everyday life, recognize that as a cry for mercy. Recognize it when you stub your toe and you say, ouch, or something less PG. Remember, that is a cry for mercy. When when you're, you get in a car accident, when uh, you get sick with a disease, when something happens to you, remember, these are opportunities. All of these things are opportunities to remember the cry for mercy. And that we have a king who's with us. He's on the block. He's given us instructions. He's brought us to our knees. He's, he's not playing. He's going to hold us accountable, and he's going to set us free. Have you cried out for mercy? Have you received his salvation? Have you rejoiced and given thanks to the king? Have you fallen down at his feet? And have you stood up to live in the freedom that he gives in his kingdom? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word today. Lord, thank you for this picture of what King Jesus has done and who he is, not just back then, but even now, how he rules, how he comes into the lives of those who are broken like us, those who are outcast, and how he changes our lives and gives us new hearts and new desires and calls us in, invites us in to do what he does, to follow him in his footsteps. And Lord, I pray for our church that we would be an expression of your kingdom on earth, that we as a body would be an expression of your kingdom on earth right here in Orangeburg, recipients of your mercy, instruments of your rule. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.